Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the latest Outsports Podcast. It is early March. We have March Madness, the NCAA Men's Tournament bracket is announced Sunday. The women's field is announced Monday. And it looks like there will be um, Derek Gordon playing for Seton Hall for the men and Bree Horrocks probably for Purdue for the women. So we have two out college basketball players you can follow in the tournament. Um, Sid, you excited about March Madness? Or at least going to pay semi-attention? Honestly, I... I... Oof. I mean, I'll pay. I'll pay some of my attention. I'll set my computer up in the in the kitchen. And I'll watch the games. But is um, what about Tulane? Is Tulane women going to make it? Because you have Taylor Emery uh, with Tulane too. So I'm I'm wondering. I I don't. I just don't know where they are. Um, they had a winning I do not know. Eric Hall is going to have a, a stories on both the men's and the women's for us. But I'll make sure he knows that. Um, yeah, this season. I mean, I don't watch. College basketball regular season. I like watching the tournament just because you know, especially the early, the first two days are the best when you get potentially those big upsets and everything. And there's a million games on, um, but it seems like it's one of the most wide open in ages. There's not there's not a Kentucky that looks like it's going to be the one everyone's shooting for. So, uh, in terms of something you know the unexpected happened, it could be this year because there's so many uh, so many good teams but no great teams. Yeah, well, and and with with Seton Hall, I'm they're kind of on a roll of late. They've beaten some top twenty-five teams. I'm curious to see. I mean, I don't know. Are they in regardless of what happens in the Big East tournament? If they lose in this first round to Creighton, uh, uh, they played well enough that I've seen yet. them listed on everybody's. They're in because they've beaten some really good teams. But um, don't quote me as an expert on that. We'll know in a few days. Um, also happening is, oh, and just to let everybody know, our guest today is going to be on in a few minutes, P.J. Painter. He is, uh, he's now a lawyer, but he wrote a great story about growing up as a gay young rodeo cowboy in South Dakota that kind of took off last week, so we'll talk to P.J. about that. Uh, but it's also the start of um, NFL free agency, and the team I rooted for this year, the Broncos, um, they now have lost both starting quarterbacks, actually both quarterbacks from a year ago, the first and they'll be the first team since the 2001 Ravens to start the season without their two quarterbacks from the previous year on the roster. So no idea who they're going to be going to. Apparently they want Colin Kaepernick, but it's going to be quite a switch in Denver. <laughs> I remember when John Elway retired, and I think it was Brian Greasy took over yeah. as the quarterback, and it was, uh, it, was the, it was a very quick fall off precipice for the Denver Broncos and I just I wonder I understand they have a good defense but you know they've started to lose some of these folks and I I just wonder if they're looking up at a 5 and 11 season next year. But I, I look don't at know the, 5 you know, I look and 11 but I look at the Chiefs. Yeah. I, you know that's the division is not getting easier. No, I mean their defense is excellent but defenses historically if like, same thing with great offenses always have a drop off the next year. I mean the Patriots record-setting offense, the uh, the Colts, the Broncos all sort of went down, and the same thing with defenses. And you can't expect that you're going to win a defense. You're going to win every game without having a quarterback. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's uh, it, There's been a lot of moves going on, and um, 
I mean, Denver's a team that I would not bet to even make, maybe even make the playoffs next year, um, given their schedule and, and given how many guys they've lost. But, um, I mean, it's interesting to see. You know, I, I kind of joked with you on Twitter that, you know, Peyton's still technically on the Broncos, and so now Osweiler's at the Texans. <laughs> maybe they'll bring Peyton back on a reduced contract in May or something. Wouldn't that be bizarre? I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be a, that'd be a wild story. He can't do that. I, that would be really – he can't do that. Right, he just can't do that. No, I'm joking, but I'm saying it would be like classic that you know they they don't have a quarterback now. It's like, um, no, maybe that retirement because Elway made the statement we're not going to lose both quarterbacks. Well, you lost both quarterbacks, so you are now stuck doing something else. But let's shift from uh, one uh, American sport to um, to another, and that's rodeo. And we have PJ on the line. Hello, this is PJ. Hi, PJ. Well, for our listeners who aren't aware, PJ uh, grew up in South Dakota on a ranch, um, was involved in rodeo, as I guess it's by law you're required to do if you grow up on a South Dakota ranch, um, is now a, a lawyer in Louisville, but wrote a great story for Outsports that I think you initially wanted to get published in a hometown paper, but for various reasons wasn't. Anyway, running Outsports, and it really took off. It got as of net right now, 14,780 Facebook shares, uh, hundreds of tweets and retweets. And um, PJ, you've been telling us, sitting at myself, about the reaction. Were you, A, surprised by the reaction, and B, can you talk about the level of reaction in terms of phone calls, text, emails, Facebook messages, et cetera, you've gotten? Yeah, I was absolutely shocked by the amount of people that shared it, for one. I wasn't expecting that at all. When I initially sent the story to Sid, I was thinking in my mind, maybe this will get 20 shares on Facebook, maybe not even that many. And I was sitting at work, and uh, my phone just started getting notification after notification. And I usually try to ignore my phone at work, and I picked it up and thought, what is going on? And when I opened it, I think it had already been shared 25 times. And uh, I was like, wow, this is this is taking off. And... I spoke to a few other people that I knew had published articles throughout sports, and they told me that theirs had you know, a few thousand shares, 5,000 shares. And so that was the first time I realized just how far it could go. And then immediately after it was published, I started getting Facebook messages, emails, Instagram messages, and I tried to answer everything right off the bat, which I probably shouldn't have done, but I was on my lunch break at work. And then all of a sudden, I quickly realized that there's just no way to keep up with it. So I kind of cut my losses. And is all I was really able to respond to the first couple hours was text messages. So I was overwhelmed by that. I think that the the reason being just because I had no idea what to expect. Why? I, I mean, it's just so interesting to me that people. Uh, People see the outsports stories that we do all over the place, and every time we we run somebody's story, we we, we warn them. Okay, you're gonna get you're gonna get some responses to this. You're gonna get some emails to this. You know, it might be a lot. And then every time they're like, "What? How did this happen? I don't even know." So it's just it's funny <laughs> to me that, that that people still are like shocked that more than a dozen people read outsports. I I guess. In my opinion, it, it wasn't. Defi- I, I knew that outsports reached a lot of people, but 
when I sit down and I read my own article, I think to myself, well, that's not very well written. I should have reworded this. I should have added that. I should have taken that out. And I'm, I, I guess I'm my own biggest critique. And a lot of messages have just told me that it's a heartfelt story, that it's a well-written story. In my mind, I don't see it that way. So part of me ventures to guess that I'm so surprised because I don't see it as being my best work in an article. But then again, I'm pretty hard on myself when it comes to critiquing my writing. Well, you are a lawyer after all, so I hope you do write well, although not every lawyer I know writes well. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think, I think some of it has to do with, I mean, you could call it, for want of a better word, sort of the broke back effect. I mean, you it was almost to me very enticing. I mean, you know, you're you're you grow up on a ranch, you're you're a cowboy, you're in a rodeo, you're gay. It had it has all these things that sort of go against what, you know, sort of our our stereotypes say about, you know, gay men and everything. And so you sort of were like you grew up in this town of you said what the nearest town was 400 people and that was 25 mile hour drive. 25 miles away. You grew up really isolated. So I mean, do you think that was a big part of it that you're you weren't someone growing up in LA, New York? You grew up in a place where we were told, oh, gay people can never be accepted. Yeah, I think that was definitely part of it, and and that's kind of why I wrote the story the way I did, just to help people realize what it was like and the effect their words have on people. I can remember when the Brokeback Mountain movie came out that you mentioned, and I was so upset because I thought, great, this is going to follow me around the rest of my life. And that's kind of the reason why I joked about it in the article, because if I make fun of myself for it, then no one else is going to cast that joke at my expense. And it, it's also funny because I, I tried to get through all my messages. I haven't got to all of them. I'm getting closer. But one of the first people who messaged me said, a gay cowboy question mark I didn't think those existed and you know then he was more than willing to compliment me but at the same time I had to laugh because I have received hundreds and hundreds of messages from gay cowboys around the world so really quite the misconception so tell us about some of them I think what do they say what is their story or what are they you know, a lot of them say that they felt exactly what I described in my article. I think that's what most people who reach out to me have felt a similar connection to what I went through because it is a conception around the U.S. especially that there just aren't gay people in the rodeo. It just can't be. It's a tab- taboo almost. So we've all felt similar things growing up, and I've had closeted cowboys reach out to me. I've had out cowboys reach out to me. And, you know, I've had parents of cowboys reach out to me, not just cowboys. I should include cowgirls as well. It's it's both. But there are a lot more out there than people tend to realize. You know, Any gay, not, any gay Dallas cowboys reach out to you? <laughs> not yet, but I'll let you know if one does. <laughs> well, what, I mean, is there, have, the, have you received any negative response at all anybody said you know quoting bible verses and this is disgusting or anything like that you know not not at all and that's probably what shocks me more than anything uh i i've fully expected negative feedback whether it be direct messages or just openly hateful on social media i haven't seen anything negative now i should caveat that with a few people feel bad for my horses and I, i'm not sure <laughs> They what? probably just don't fully understand because my horses are 
more special to me than most people. I, I really do treat my horses like they're my own brother, but I, I suppose you got to take it the good with the bad. But as far as Bible verses, no, not, not at all. My pastor even reached out to me. You know, she told me that she loves me and that I'm a child of God. So I'm pretty fortunate to have, at least to this point. Wait, no wait, 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 wait. So, so when you came out publicly as a gay cowboy, the the problem that people had wasn't that you were gay, but that you were a cowboy. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think what, I, so what, did know, the, they, what did the emails say? They're like they're mad that you're abusing horses and what have you. No, they didn't even reach out directly towards me. I think I saw comments on other people's shares on Facebook that just says, "Well, good for him, but you know, I'm sorry. I feel sorry for his horses." So it wasn't even negative per se. It's just you know they have a more they have more of a problem with the fact that I ride horses than the fact that I'm gay. Well, I guess that's progress of a sort. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I mean, that's incredible. Like, oh, you know, you're a gay football player. Well, you know, the, you being gay is fine, but football, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, just, I think it's funny that we've got to the point where, uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, I talked to, um, I know a guy who's, who's uh, he's from the South and he's white and his husband is black. And, and he talks about, like, my mom, you know, the gay thing was not that big of a deal, but that I was dating a black guy was really, really, really problematic. <laughs> like, I got to add a date a white guy's not a problem. So it's, we're just getting to the point where that you know being gay is just is getting lower and lower and lower on the on the people's priority list. Like, there are many exactly. other issues that they could have with PJ Pager than just being gay. Yeah, I think. You're exactly right, and the more people, you know, coming out is a never-ending process because you're always meeting new people and you always are having to come out to people. And every time I think to myself, well, we'll see how this goes, and every time I'm shocked by the amount of positive feedback I get. And most of the time they're, like you said, more shocked about something else like, oh, my gosh, well, we've been friends for how long and you're just now telling me this? They're a little bit more upset with the fact that I haven't told them earlier or, you know, that I'm a gay cowboy or, you know, they have, they have something other than shocked with the actual fact of being gay. Well, you read the story about your dad and his reaction and how your mom was afraid he would have this negative reaction, and yet he had one of the most beautiful reactions I've seen a parent have. Yeah, I think my dad is the nation's most favorite father right now. I've... <laughs> I would guess at least a third of the messages mention him in some way, shape, or form. Most of them are jealous that I have such an accepting father, and they all want him to be their father. Not just that, but I, I think you had pointed out to me how many people were searching my name on Facebook, and on Facebook it lists that Cindy and Joe Painter are my parents. And they've had, they haven't given me a number, but they said they've had probably about 100 messages that they're trying to respond to. So a lot of people are reaching out to my parents, telling them how proud of them they are. And probably the saddest part for me is the amount of parents themselves that have reached out to me and said they would give anything to go back in time just to react the same way that my parents did. And that, that's really sad for me. But at the same time, it makes me feel better that maybe my story is getting out there and helping parents to deal with this just as much as the kids. 
Yeah, I know when Michael Sam came out, my and and Michael talked about his dad struggles with it. My dad, you know, called me and said, "What did you think it would help if I wrote a piece about how I struggled with you and came around?" And my dad got, I don't know how many of us, dozens or hundreds, but but uh, yeah, it, I think it's important, so important for some of those parents to to talk a little more openly too, because they can set an example that 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 can really help LGBT kids when they come out. Absolutely, and you know we are in a changing society, so I can't help but to think that it's just going to get easier and easier as time goes on, especially with the recent rulings of the Supreme Court and legalizing gay marriage. So we're living in a good time, and and I'm I would like to think that my article wasn't too late. If anything, it's just helping push the tide of change. So now you're in uh, Louisville, and you actually are working on. Um same-sex marriage issues. Can you describe what uh, what you've been doing because you had the whole thing with, uh, what, was her, what was her name again, Kim Davis? Uh, yeah, I haven't dealt much with Kim Davis at all, and it's really a shame to be living in the same state that her name is connected to. So, But what I have dealt with is the gay marriage rights cases. Now, that was back in 2013, 2014, excuse me. But the ACLU of Kentucky came to our law firm and asked if we would be interested in being a cooperating attorney to write an amicus brief in support of the gay marriage case. And initially my law firm was hesitant to pick it up because the person who wrote it would have to donate their time. And when I heard it, I went straight to my boss and I said, you know, I have a vested interest in in this case. I'd be more than happy to spend my nights, spend my weekends writing this brief. And I spent 86 hours of my own time writing that brief and not too long after I submitted the brief to Judge Haber and he uh, ruled in favor of gay marriage in, in Kentucky and you know he struck down the ban against it as unconstitutional. And when I read his opinion, it was definitely one of the better days of my life. I, I sat there and read it and thought to myself, I helped make this possible. And I don't know whether or not he actually took my opinion into consideration, but Judge Haber wrote the most well-written opinion I've ever read. And, and it really is the only legal work to ever bring tears to my eyes, and they were all tears of joy. Well, I think that, I think, you know, uh, there's a lot of reason to be, I think we all cried at some point over uh, the, the stuff that's come out from the courts regarding marriage over the last few years. Um, and speaking of marriage, have you gotten any marriage proposals from your uh, from your article? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I'm not through all of them, but that. <laughs> I think a lot of them are joking about asking me to marry, marry them. I'm not sure. But you have, so you, are, you, so, so you have gotten some. Oh, yeah, multiple. And you know, and other people are like, have you gotten any marriage proposals yet? And I'm like, yeah, I have. And he's like, well, I thought about it. I'm like, well, thanks for not. And, you know, I've gotten proposals to go to France, you know, Australia. People just think that I'm going to drop what I'm doing and, and fly to wherever they are. And I, I do have a job. I can't really leave all that behind me. Um, well, you also big about. beach. Uh, is it beach volleyball you play a lot? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on with the beach volleyball. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, fine. Go ahead. If somebody, uh, offers, about, if somebody offers, if somebody offers to pay for your trip to Australia or France, you you take a few vacation days and you go. <laughs> 
You are you know you you are only in your twenties for so long. The, the the career will be around when you get back from Paris. Bring bring your boss a nice bottle of wine and go have fun. <laughs> you know that that's definitely tempting. Definitely tempting. I think that maybe if I didn't already have so many vacation days planned out for beach volleyball, I would probably consider taking some people up on their offer. But my partner and I. And when I say partner, I mean volleyball partner, not my boyfriend. But we already have <laughs> a collective an sigh of relief of... across the country. <laughs> so we I, I would be aware of a free trip because a free trip usually has strings attached. So I'd, I, before I took any free <laughs> trip, I'd like to know what the uh, what the other person had in mind before I showed up on on his doorstep in Australia. It could be a little embarrassing. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's probably I didn't want to say it, but you're exactly right. Nothing comes through these days, right? Exactly. <clears throat> so tell us about this beach volleyball. Is this your latest sort of this is the the sport you're into right now? You play professionally, semi pro or what is the recreational? What's the deal? Uh I guess you could call it semi pro and professional. We enter professional level tournaments. Now we don't necessarily compete at the same level as the Olympians, but we do compete in the same tournaments as them. So, it, you know, we play in AVP, AVP Next, EVP, which are some local uh, local and national professional level leagues. So we're going to Chicago, Milwaukee, Madison, Florida, L.A., just to name a few, for a bunch of beach volleyball tournaments this summer. And it is two-on-two, just like what you'd see in the Olympics. Are you doing Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Huntington Beach, that whole circuit? Uh, just Manhattan Beach, which is an AVP tour tournament. When? So my my mom was actually a college volleyball player, and she played volleyball for Black Hill State University. She's kind of the one who got me into it when I was in high school. She put up a net in our backyard, and we played around a little bit. And it was always just kind of a hobby of mine. But then when I left South Dakota – I didn't take my horses with me primarily because it's so expensive to board horses in Kentucky with the racehorse industry being around here. So I needed something to occupy my free time, and that's when I picked up volleyball. And quickly the sport grew on me to where now it's all but replaced rodeo unless I go home. So when's Manhattan Beach? We might come down and watch you. (laughs) It is, let me check my calendar, it's in July, I think we play on July 13th, excuse me, July 14th. That's one of the yeah, Do you do the local anymore at all? I'm sorry? Um, do you do rodeo at all anymore? I do when I go home to South Dakota or else when I go down to Phoenix, my my parents spend a few weeks down in Phoenix in the wintertime and they take the horses down there and there's lots of team ropings going on because it's a lot warmer down there than it is in South Dakota, you can about imagine. So whenever I go home or whenever I go down to Phoenix, I'll compete in rodeo, but I haven't here in Kentucky yet. There are a lot of lovely people in Phoenix, but Phoenix might be the only place in the country more boring than South Dakota. (laughs) Having just spent two days there, that is rough. Uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. I think maybe you're just spending a, in the, the wrong areas, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe go check out some of the rodeos. Oh, really? That's <laughs> it's, yeah, You know what? It's, it's living in L.A. for too long. That's actually what it is. Yeah, it, that have you ever well, done – are you doing any of the gay – have you done, thought about any, doing any of the gay rodeos they have? 
I've never had, and I've been reached out to multiple times about that, inviting me to the circuit, uh, wanting me to participate in meetings and furtherance of the circuit. I've never even been the one to watch. I've always known about it, but there was never one, to my knowledge, at least close to where I was living. Plus, uh, I'm not sure about the level of compensation that the rodeo is. It could be very good, and I could be wrong, but I, I would be willing to guess that um, you know, it may not have been something that I would enjoy participating in. I, sh- I shouldn't say that out loud. It's very you shouldn't say well that. You don't that. know. You might, you're, you're buying into stereotypes now that gay rodeo cowboys can't be any good. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I, so based on my knowledge, there would be events that I wouldn't be any good at. That's the only reason why I said I wouldn't compete in them, because there's you know, events that I've never even tried before. So I would be behind them in that facet. You you mean they don't have um, a, put, putting a pair of underwear on a goat in regular rodeo? <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I I have never seen one except for maybe if you get closer to the south. But that I mean that's one of the sort of the events on the K circuit, right? You have to put underwear on a goat. I again I I, I don't know I've never been to one. I have seen. Uh, Advertisements, I think, and instead of the rodeo clown, they have the rodeo queen. So, we'll let you go. What um, again? You know, what, what do you think this says about society in 2016? Meaning that you know, do, do you think we're going to see more and more people come out in rural America, um, or do you think it's still going to be behind the rest of the country? Yeah, you know, just judging off the people who have messaged me alone. I've talked to a lot of people who, after reading my article, realized that it's okay to come out even in rural America. And a lot of them have came out after reading my article. A lot of them are talking to me and and considering how to come out, what the best process is to come out, which really makes me happy to see that. Uh, I I wish I could get to all my messages faster than I have, but it's kind of like fighting the Hydra. You cut one head off and two more take its place. It feels like a never-ending process, but... And looking through my messages, I'm trying to answer the ones from people who really need help and are just seeking attention. But I'd like to think that, you know, in the next year or so, there's going to be a lot more people come out in rural areas. And I think rural areas are the only the only reason why not necessarily everyone is comfortable is because they may not know a gay person. You know, most of the gay people that are there tend to either stay closeted or it also leads to go to the big cities. So I think the more people who come out in rural areas, the more acceptance there's going to be. And just judging off of the messages I've seen alone, I think a lot is coming in, in the way of change. Well, and, you're, and you've been a catalyst for that, and you should be really proud of the article you wrote and, and the difference you're making. And, uh, you know, so keep on keeping on. We hope to see you out here in July. And thanks for being our guest. Yes, I, I will. I will show you guys an email and let you know exactly what time I'll be playing. All right, PJ, thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Thanks, buddy. Right, bye. So you mentioned Phoenix being boring. You were there quickly in the last minute or so for baseball diversity thing. Uh, that itself couldn't have been boring. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the, it was Major League Baseball's um, diversity business summit. All 30 Major League Baseball teams and the minor leagues and a bunch of other companies Major League Baseball works with had had um, procurement officers there and, and um, human resources people there interviewing 
people who are minorities and, and minorities essentially any anyone but a cisgender anyone but a cisgender white man who is not a veteran like everyone else who does not fit into that group was is considered part of diversity and that's because of course 70% of professional sports front offices are cisgender white men and it, it was great i mean a lot of people some people who still have not come out on out sports. Some people who have in the past. I sat down with Ben Larison and um, and and Josh Sanders and and others and uh, Jason Birch was there. So it was it, just these people like all of a sudden have this opportunity to to get a job in Major League Baseball. And Billy said that they had over 40 LGBT business owners and people looking for jobs, and that was up by I think they had seven two years ago. When it was in New York City, so their their proactive efforts and us getting the word out has really transformed into a lot of people looking to get into baseball, and and they think that you know somebody's going to get a job if not multiple people. Well, that's excellent, and baseball sort of taking the lead in all that. And um, story in the USA Today about you know again re- reaffirming we already know that baseball is ready for. A gay player, they quoted a few uh, general managers and presidents and stuff to that effect. So, um, <clears throat> But that is all the time we have for today. We'll maybe be talking next. We'll be calling, talking next week when uh, the basketball tournament is just starting. So, And Outsports will likely have another one of our Outsports pools, which Sid and I always finish pretty much near the bottom. Or if we finish near the top, it's a good lucky guess <laughs> since we, we're not big, big fans. But um, that's all the time we have for today. And we will talk to you next week. 